Are you ready for TCT360? The event for 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence is back. Wherever you are in your AM journey, our fully CPD certified program will have something for you. See Additive in action as 250 plus exhibitors run live demos of their machinery and equipment. Hear from NHS England, Rolls-Royce, Boeing, J-Bull and more as they take to the stage to discuss the latest applications. It's time to reconnect with your community after almost two years apart. Signing up is free and takes just a couple of minutes. So register today and prepare to join us at the NEC Birmingham on the 28th to the 30th of September 2021 to see Additive in action. Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm your host Laura Griffiths and with me I have TCT senior content producer Sam Davis ready to discuss the biggest 3D printing news stories from the last month. Hello Sam. Hello, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. I feel like this week has been a rush and I've already forgotten my week off last week. Uh, how about you? Are you ready for your week off next week before the Rapid Plus TCT, TCT 360 madness, I'll say? Yeah, I, I'm really ready for it, but I'm already dreading the first day back, <laughs> having to look through my emails when there's multiple trade shows next month, a magazine in production, um, some podcasts to finish the edit for probably loads of other stuff I'm forgetting so a terribly timed week off probably but <laughs> what what can you do um like it's dawned on me this week that maybe this should have been my week off before everyone in the world returns to work next week but <laughs> I guess I've just been really contrary and gone for the first week in September I think we've both realized over time though there is no good week to take off there's always an event or a magazine or something so it just so happens you've taken the worst one off but yeah I'm sure, I'm sure well, it'll be fine I mean the last 18 months there have been very few events so but still we're managing to take awkward holidays off and then we always do it it always feels like because we've got the fifth issue of the year going into production in September and this happens every year where um, you know, you're, you're emailing people or trying to get hold of people to to ask them for interviews and it just takes, you know, that bit longer because, you know, if the PR people aren't on holiday, then the person you want to interview is or vice versa. And I never learn and I'm always kind of up against it for this issue, but we'll get there one day. And now the writer's on holiday. Instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just a nightmare. <laughs> Um, speaking of those events, just some dates for all of our listeners. Uh, Rapid Plus TCT is back for its 30th year, um, happening in Chicago at McCormick Place on the 13th to the 15th of September. You can go to rapid3devent.com to register for your ticket. And then TCT 360 is happening at the NEC Birmingham on the 28th to the 30th of September. Um, register there now to get access to our conference and where you can also sign up to the various things uh, that are going on at the event, things like networking events and um, also just pop some and um, talks and things like that into your basket and just really create your your week at the event there so uh, lots to um lots to look forward to over the next month but uh yeah sam and i will probably be taking another week off right after <laughs> it <laughs> i mean we have the we have the holidays banked the pair that's of us, true so. we do <laughs> 
And as Sam mentioned, we are prepping for the next few issues of TCT Magazine. If you're not already a subscriber, we won't hold it against you. You can subscribe for free at tctmagazine.com. We can get your free print copy, access to our entire digital library, including service provider maps and machine guides, and our weekly Additive Insight newsletter. But today, there are four news stories that we're going to cover on the show. The first is Desktop Metal acquiring X1 in a $575 million deal. Xerox backing Castor as 3D printing software firm raises $3.5 million. Para-athlete Joe Townsend deploys Mark Forge 3D printing for custom hand cycling components. And Farsoon's global 3D printing install base has reached 500 machines. So lots to get through today. But I think the first one, it was so easy this month, Sam, wasn't it, to pick the biggest news story? <laughs> yeah, so um, kind of out of nowhere a couple of weeks back, it felt like. Um, I think it might have even happened... Uh, maybe it can be clustered overnight by the time, you know, in the UK, it probably would have been about 10pm, I think it was announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, as you say, desktop metal acquiring X1 um, for $575 million. Um, and I think we've discussed off air as it was happening um, a couple of weeks back about it probably being the biggest news story in the AM industry since G Additive was launched and it mm-hmm. went about acquiring Arcam and Concept Laser after trying to buy out SLM solutions and um, you know if you just think of all of the the stuff that's happened at desktop metal over the last 12 months from going public acquiring it Envision Tech launching uh, desktop health and, and forest um, you know they're no stranger to a to big news story but acquiring X1 I'd say probably tops the lot mm-hmm. um, and that'd be because of who the two companies are in that in that deal, we've obviously seen loads of these kind of um, mergers and acquisitions over the last year or so. But, you know, these two are kind of, they probably see themselves as industry leaders, two of the biggest companies in the AM sector. And they, you know, they both offer metal bandage and uh, 3D printing systems and therefore are direct competitors. Um, you know, they're not the only companies in the industry offering those technologies. We've got HP, Digital Metal, Meta Additive, but x1 has been the kind of pioneer of that process um and you know the launch of desktop metal four and a half years ago was probably the real start of the competition in that subsector of the am industry really hot enough it wasn't long after i think if i'm getting the chronology right that g additive then announced the h2 platform and, and hp announced um its metal jet intentions um and, you know, interestingly, as we've, we've covered towards the end of last year and the start of this, um, Desktop Metal with the production system, G Additive of H2, as I mentioned, and HP of Metal Jet were all um, expecting to commercially launch or start shipping their Metal Binder Jet machines um, this year. And, you know, such an expectancy of that activity led X1 CEO John Hartner to describe 2021 as the year of Bandajet um, on the, the first cover of TST Magazine earlier this year. And by the end of it, X1 will be under the desktop metal umbrella um, as the deal is expected to close in, in Q4 of 2021. Um, at this stage, we obviously don't know, you know, exactly how everything will work, what the what the desktop metal business and the X1 business will look like on the other side of the acquisition going through, whether, you know, there's any products to be discontinued or whether people lose jobs or anything like that but it's certainly quite a statement from desktop metal to you know make that transaction um 
obviously there's a number of motivating factors for it um value creation through x1's revenue um i've seen it mentioned that you know x1 has this established portfolio of, of technology and desktop metal is maybe the ability and the infrastructure to scale that um but i guess importantly it also reduces the competition in that mm-hmm. um subsector of the am industry and yeah now desktop metal's got the lion's share of of that market um more than that, desktop metal CEO Rick Phillips suggests that the acquisition of X1 creates, um, and I quote, the leading AM portfolio for mass production. Hartner, on the other hand, sent out an email um, when the deal was announced to basically explain to X1's customers and collaborators that the deal was in the best interest of X1 uh-huh. and its shareholders and its employees and its customers. Um, talked about the combination of its materials leadership and the, the process speeds that desktop metal is able to bring suggested their combined resources would accelerate binder jet technology and he, he was quoted in the press release saying that their technology would help drive important innovations at meaningful production volumes um, and then the Exxon chairman uh, Kent Rockwell who I think has got kind of the largest shares in the company he described the deal as a, a game-changing moment for the AM community as a whole so um It'll be interesting to see how this all works going forward. Obviously, as I say, the deal is expected to close at the end of the year, so we might have a better idea in a few months. Um, or maybe, you know, people will be able to find out more at the, the trade shows, as we mentioned, TST360 next month, Rapid TST as well, for next before the end of the year. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, Sam, uh, John Hartner calling it the year of Binderjet and really what a way to round out the year of Binderjet. And mm. you know, you, I know you've spoken to several of the Binderjet newcomers this year too. And, you know, you mentioned that one of the things this does is obviously, you know, kind of decreases the competition because it, it, the competition is really hot enough in the, in the Binderjet market. At the minute, there are so many different companies with, with different solutions that are expected to, to launch throughout this year. Um, but one thing I wanted to, to touch on with this story, and it's something that we've talked about several times on the podcast, is that once again, uh, Desktop Metal CEO Rick Fullop has just really emphasize this whole idea of additive manufacturing 2.0 with this acquisition you know um he said quote this transaction is a big step in delivering on our vision of acceleration the adoption of additive manufacturing 2.0 end quote and so we said when this news first announced we were like should we be surprised by this is this surprising and i, I think we were but perhaps we, we shouldn't have been especially after the envision tech acquisition at the start of the year because um, Destamel have really just, you know, that they've just come in and made so many bold moves this year. You know, they now have two originators of uh, certain AM technologies under their, mm. their families. They've got um, X1, Pioneer of Binajet, and also uh, with Envision Tech DLP too. So yeah, perhaps we, we shouldn't have been um, surprised, but you know, you're right. It is the, um, it's surprising because um, X1 have of course been the leader in this field for, for so, so long and perhaps Destamel are still um, seen as, as a newcomer, but um, the way they're, they're moving forward now, they're, they're certainly, you know, one of the, the, the biggest players um, in the industry. And just something that John Hartner said in an interview with TCT as well at the start of the year, in, in that um, year of Binajet conversation, you know, he said, quote, it's always been the technology that was right for production. And this does really fit into what we're talking about with AM 2.0. You know, it is about mass production. It's not talking about prototypes anymore. It's talking about getting additive manufacturing into real manufacturing, real end use parts. And so uh, the fact that he he was talking about that you know that 
clearly shows that there is an alignment in the way these, these companies are thinking about uh, biojet technology. And just another thing that was mentioned at the interview too, you know, John said um, that there was no major automotive company that X1 wasn't doing business with in some way, shape or form um, at the time. So it's not only the technology that they're bringing mm-hmm. in, but I guess those, those um, you know, long-standing customer relationships as well um, into the desktop metal fold. So um, lots of exciting um, things here, lots of exciting uh, potential outcomes from this. And you're right, we don't know quite what it'll look like yet when x1 come into the family once this uh, deal closes but you know if it's anything like the way that envision tech is at the moment they're kind of like a separate entity um within the company uh, you know they they're kind of leveraging each other's expertise where needed but you know they're also kind of standing on their own as well so it'd be interesting to see how this acquisition works out um in in terms of that too yeah i think on the like you know saying should it have been a surprise i think from the desktop metal side no because you know the ambition of that company is, is kind of clear to see from you know the the way it you know it talks about itself in the industry you know i think it's they're probably the first company to kind of coin that am 2.0 term um which you know is when you think of all of the the other major players in the industry they're kind of the ones who you want to be at the front of that movement um but i think it was surprising that you know, because of the dynamics of it, the kind of the younger company buying the older company, mm-hmm. um, it's maybe a bit surprising that X One were were willing to kind of agree to that deal. But um, you know, as you say, we don't know how exactly it will all work out. But hopefully, you know, with us saying it, it kind of reduces the competition in in the bandage market. I mean, I'm sure hp and ge and digital metal have something to say about that and, and hopefully they do because i think it would be a shame you mentioned you know the the kind of the users of the technologies you know all of those automotive companies that the x1 deal with for example i'm sure they wouldn't want a deal like this to result in less innovation um mm-hmm. because of that competition reducing I'm, I'm sure you know those guys will be hoping that um the technology keeps improving that the, the materials portfolios keep expanding um you know you you did an article earlier this year about kind of software development and, and all of that. I'm pretty sure those guys will, will want it to keep developing because while, you know, X1 say this technology has always been the one that's right for production. Um, I was speaking to users of AM technology earlier this week who say that, you know, Bandajet still needs a lot of refinement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, it's still a developing technology and, you know, I don't think it's quite there yet. So, you know, hopefully there's still plenty of of you know room and effort for for innovation in in that market to come And we will actually have a little bit from Desktop Metal in the next issue of TCT on our cover story. Um, I was speaking to Rick Fullop um, earlier this week um, and we touched a little bit on the uh, the X1 acquisition. So you'll be able to read a little bit more about that. Is that a teaser for you? <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to story two now. Xerox has backed Castor uh, with a 3.5 million seed funding round. So Xerox has joined as a new investor. The round also included Tel Aviv-based Spring Ventures as a new investor and also existing investors like Ivonic Venture Capital, Jeremy Collett, TAU Ventures and Charter Group 
also contributed to the funding round. Um, so if you don't already know, Castor, our, our Tel Aviv-based company, uh, which has developed a software that accesses the printability of parts for 3D printing. There are a few different versions they've developed, one aimed at beginners, then an expert version, and then another enterprise option, which was launched at last year's Formnext aimed at AM vendors. So the software tools are designed to assess designs uh, technically and also economically to suggest the best material and technology options, identify redesign opportunities um, and simulation, um, check for, for failures, and basically just uh, to help um, users decide whether additive manufacturing is right for their part. As we know, one of the biggest hurdles of AM adoption is knowing where to start, and Castor was set up to specifically um, address this. So um, Castor CEO, Omer Blur, has said that this investment will um, allow the company to grow and further address the needs of large enterprises. So very much focusing on that um, enterprise option of their portfolio set. Um, and talking about the enterprise option, you know, last year we, we caught up with uh, with Omer at the company and, you know, he described how the company was really focusing in on end use parts. So not using this technology for prototyping while they acknowledge that additive manufacturing is still used an awful lot in prototyping this tool is really about looking for those applications uh, within end use parts and the belief is that the enterprise level tool uh, which takes into account things like real world manufacturing scenarios and considerations really could help to accelerate more end use part production by giving manufacturers the tools to understand where additive really makes the most sense because as we know, Sam, it, it's hard. I mean, on a very, very basic level, how many times have you sat at a desktop printer and not known where to start, not known, you know, what, what, to, what to test it with, what, what, what to print? And so for these big companies that are so used to um, doing things the way they've always done them and with established supply chains and established part designs, you know, it's quite a, it's it's difficult to know where to start. So it's it's clear uh, where a software tool like this would would really um, come into play. Um, and one of the things that they're um, that they're focusing on first is um, looking at the materials that you need to consider when making these end use parts um, and kind of emphasizing that Evonik actually invested in the startup through its venture capital arm last year as I mentioned at the top um, the idea is to identify the best match material in 3D printing to match the traditional material properties so the traditional properties that would have been used in a conventional manufacturing technology um, and according to the preference of the user as well so um, but Evonik is now one of the users of um, Castor's technology um, as this 3D printing vendor uh, Nexa 3D too. So the fact that this um, is Xerox I find to be um, really positive because Xerox have been um, emphasizing their play in 3D printing. They've been using it for such a long time but uh, they really made their play with the technology in 2019 when the company acquired metal 3D printing startup Vader Systems and with it it's like the liquid metal technology and it's since launched its LMX printer and announced its first installation at the Naval postgraduate school we actually had Tally Rosman, a Xerox VP for 3D printing on the podcast earlier this year. And one of the things that Tally said was that um, Xerox is really committed to being its own first customer with, with additive manufacturing, which I thought was an, in, an interesting point with this because it makes me wonder whether like Evonik and like Nexa 3D, are they going to be maybe um, using one of these enterprise style um, tools now to help identify parts within their own supply chains, within their own machines, and to find out um, where additive manufacturing uh, really makes the most sense. Um, so yeah, I just find this to be. Um, it's. I, I'm glad that, that this company have, have you know received this um, this investment because I think last year when we spoke to them around Formnext, you know, they were so um, they were really so, so keen to to get the message out there, and I think that it's 
it's it's such a, a useful tool when we are looking at additive manufacturing now for these um, end use applications you know back to am 2.0 if we are looking at progressing additive manufacturing to you know more uh, real world production scenarios then then a tool like this is only going to be um you know com- completely useful to those um, huge companies that are looking to invest in it yeah definitely i um i was it's, fun, it's interesting you say about the way xerox might use it because i i just assumed that they would invest in it and you know that that's a huge validation for a company like Xerox to and Ivonic to be fair to kind of provide that um, investment as that you know those companies are both active in the industry but I assume they would maybe use that the Castor technology on its own machines and kind of sell it but I guess maybe they might as you say use it to identify applications and that kind of thing because you know when we have a printer in in the offices at TCT, I think the, the usual course of action is to go home, maybe boot a piece of furniture, and then you've got an excuse to create a replacement part. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we'd have no idea what to print. Um, but, you know, I think whenever a kind of technology like this comes to market, it's one of those where you go, that's such an obvious, like, an obvious product to solve an obvious problem. Why is there not more of this? Yeah. In the industry, it's kind of like it's it's almost you're a bit surprised about how simple it is as an idea, and yet, um, you know, not every company has has this kind of software hooked up to their machine. Um, so yeah, it's good to see them kind of get the investment. And I was thinking, obviously, you interviewed them at last year's Form Next, but this is one of those um, companies that maybe not many people have seen at trade shows and, you know, had the software demo. So it'll be good to be getting back to, to trade shows and seeing companies like Castor who'll be able to kind of, you know, tell us even more about what they're bringing to market. Mm-hmm. So story three is an application story. And I really love this story. And Sam, I know it's one that, that you're really keen to follow up on. So um, para-athlete Joe Townsend has used Markforge 3D printing technology to create custom hand cycling components. Sam, tell us about this one. Yeah, so um, obviously quite a timely story with the um, Paralympic Games getting underway in Tokyo this week. Um, and a really nice story of how 3D printing is being used to help you know, enhance the comfort and, and performance of athletes. Um, a bit of background on, on Joe Townsend. He's a former Marine commando who unfortunately had both of his legs amputated after serving in Afghanistan around 13 years ago when he was only around the age of 20, I think. He's about 33 now. Um, and after that happened in 2008, he then went through a, a rehabilitation period where he had apparently more than 50 further operations and in that time he was beginning to learn how to use his prosthetic legs and then um after a while he started to kind of compete in Ironman triathlons and you know over the years has gone on to win gold at national level he picked up medals at world championship level competed in the Rio uh, Paralympics in 2016 and won gold for team England in the 2018 Commonwealth Games um and so he, he competes in the power triathlon, which consists of a swimming event, a wheelchair or running race event, and a cycle event where athletes use hand cycles, bicycles, or, or tandem bicycles. Um, Townsend uses a hand cycle, and when he would train or race with his hand cycle, he'd often struggle with fatigue in his hands. And so after a while, he ended up buying a Mark II 
continuous fiber 3D printing system. He taught himself how to use the machine, how to model parts in CAD, just using some online resources. And he printed a, a custom hand grip for himself to use when, when training and competing. And he did that by molding the shape of his hand, scanning it, uploading it to the computer. He'd smooth out the mesh and then slice it in Mark Forge's um, Iger software, ready to print. And within 24 hours, he'd have, have the custom hand grip printed in Onyx material ready to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, after he did that, um, found it to be quite successful, was helping his, his, you know, the fatigue in his hands a fair bit. So he's gone on to set up um, his own business called JT Custom Adaptive, um, which is now shipping custom hand grip parts and other components to power athletes around the world. Um, so there could well be some at the games over the next couple of weeks. Um, I haven't looked at his Instagram page, but I've, it looks like every time he's shipping one of these parts out, he takes a snap of it, maybe at the, the, the athlete that it's going to. Um, there is at least one power athlete in Tokyo with a custom hand grip, but I think they're in they're kind of part of the kind of reserve team in case any of the other athletes has to pull out. So, um, you know, we might we may or may not see a custom hand grip um in action but um yeah i thought it was a really nice story and as you say hoping to follow up with it because it's um you know a nice background story he's self-taught in the in the technology and and yeah it's kind of a a good cause but also on the other hand it's um you know improving the performance of of athletes at the highest level um Mm -hmm. so yeah quite a cool story yeah it, it is it is such a it's such a great good news story and you know mm. I, I love when we get these in 3d printing because we are fortunate that, that 3d printing does have so many great um case studies within um you know um customized products and you know um just really just as you say you know improving performance and you know just real positive impact that the technology can can have but something else that that stood out for me in the story is just that it's, it's that other thing with 3d printing the um the fact that he's not only self-taught has been able to you know create these solutions for himself but the fact that he's also built a business now and able to offer Mm -hmm. these solutions to other people too and it is that accessibility of 3d printing you know i've spoke to so many people over the years who have said one of the brilliant things about 3d printing is the fact that it gives people the tools to be able to like set themselves up and set up an entirely uh, entire entirely new business you know without having to go through the typical providers you might usually have to the long product development times and this is just um you know every part of the story has just got you know its own um you know positive impact but i just think the lasting impact of this as well is is it's is so so great to see and I'd, I'd love to you know keep an eye on on this story and and you know what joe does with the business and as you say sam you know that's let's uh, keep an eye out with the uh, with the paralympic games this this week and see if we can spot any more uh 3d printed parts and hopefully they'll fare a little bit better than the 3d printed handlebars in the Tokyo yeah. olympics a couple of weeks back <laughs> yeah i didn't think you were going to mention that but um yeah i was i had that on in the background one morning and i think i was just about to jump on a call with you and was mortified to overhear the, the commentary of um someone falling over i mean it was a horrific crash and yeah the cause of it was some 3d printed handlebars so yeah i'm I'm sure Mark Forge will also be hoping that, you know, their Onyx materials a lot more durable than that. Um, and I'm sure it is. Another kind of, of the nice aspect of this story is that, um, and I don't know whether this is a terrible point, maybe it is, but if you think about athletes being, you know, kind of enormously competitive, Joe Townsend here is kind of <laughs> offering a solution to 
the competition he has um, in in races and so on, and kind of making their experience and their performance more comfortable and and more enhanced by you know using this 3d printed part i think as an athlete he'd probably be well in his rights to kind of keep this little secret <laughs> himself. but he's not he's kind of set up a business to like you know offer that that solution out to, to other people um who are also in competition so i thought that's kind of a, a really nice angle to it as well positive 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> that's us <laughs> Uh, and so the final story on today's show is Farsoon's global 3D printing install base has reached 500 machines, a huge number of machines from the company. Um, so this is apparently an even split between polymer and metal systems. So of the 500 machines installed at customer sites, uh, Farsoon has confirmed there is a 50-50 split between metal and polymers with more than 150 machines in operation at service providers around the world and over 80 metal 3D printing platforms been installed within the automotive and aerospace uh, sectors and if those 500 machines weren't enough there are said to be over 200 additional machines installed as development or demo systems so wow I mean that is it's it's such an an amazing number of machines to to hear about and you know it makes sense a lot of these are with um, service providers but um, you know that that number of uh, machines in automotive and and aerospace sectors is um, is, is so impressive and um, in the press release that accompanied um, this news piece one of the things that um, Director of Farsoon's Global Business Group, uh, Don Zhu, said was that we are seeing an increasing demand for large volume functional part fabrication, especially in aerospace and automotive industries, using specialized materials in order to achieve designated performance tolerances, mechanical properties and reliability under a variety of operational conditions. And to coincide with that, um, despite only adding metals to its portfolio in 2015, um, Jack Cheng, Deputy General Manager of Farsoon, um, put this rapid rise in metal machine installations down to the demand from the civil aerospace industry um, as well as its manufacturing system so um, a huge pull of this is coming from from um, aerospace and automotive and you know again this is um, looking at, um, at end use um, components too which is what we've talked about um, a lot on today's show and there are plenty of customers with multiple Farsoon systems in house so you've got companies like Falcon Tech um, and we next who have so far built up fleets of Farsoon 3D printing systems including in Falcon Tech, which is currently on 18 machines and planning on an additional 30. Um, and just last week, automotive component supplier Rapid Part Solutions installed two Farsoon flight 3D printing systems to expand its capabilities. So um, this company is a tier one supplier um, and has been working to fulfill series customization orders for car manufacturers. And this center have been able to deliver a quote, much higher production yield and accelerated lead time, end quote, resulting in lower cost per part versus conventional manufacturing. And each printed part also has more details and a smoother surface finish with minimal post-processing required. So um, lots of different uh, use cases for this, but you know, really emphasizing that um, that need in the automotive industry there. Um, and to top it all off as well, you know, it's not just the machine installations that are growing. You know, Farsoon is really growing as a business as well. So the company has also announced that it has added 100 staff members to take its total global workforce up to 400 in the first half of 2020. 21. Um, and with these appointments, the company is added to a technology development, technical support and manufacturing team. So things happening absolutely everywhere there. And I think after the last year, you know, we saw so many companies um, having to um, 
you know, diverse parts of their business and, you know, make cuts and, you know, and, and lose staff. And it, it's great to see a company like this that's just gone from, from strength to strength, really, and, you know, really um, investing in its workforce and, and seeing uh, more of that uptake um, in, in machines. And we know as well from stats we saw last year for, for machine sales that um, China was one of the places where in terms of um, production machines, you know, they, they still saw um, impressive numbers when the rest of the world really um, kind of slowed down the investment in uh, those kinds of AM systems. Um, it was um, China where we really saw those numbers um, still looking pretty healthy. So um, I'm, I'm sure that um, Farsoon systems will have been um, a big part of that. But uh, this is great to see, you know, Farsoon, we, we we see them at a lot of our events and it's always great to see them um, at the TCT Asia event as well. They always have such a, a huge presence and they're really just, you know, kind of um, confirming their position as, as one of the big players in the industry, really. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking about in preparation for this episode as well, because they're probably often overlooked as like a market leader. Mm. But, you know, their install base is growing at a decent rate. Um, You know, I mean, I thought it was quite interesting that they said there was a 50-50 split near enough between metal and polymer. But just as importantly as kind of getting machines out into the field and installed in, in, in those, you know, those key industries, they're frequently putting the... R&D work in or, or shown as the result of the R&D work in terms of machine and process launches and material launches. Um, there's an eight laser machine launched at TCT Asia earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they um, announced dual laser flight to the to the flight process they launched at TCT Asia in 2019. Um, you know, there was the continuous AM solution process launched a few years before that too. Um, you know, and then as you mentioned, you know, the companies like Falcon Tech and WeNext with their big fleet to the machine, Falcon Tech, you know, I think, I can't remember when it was now, but they, they put in the order for 50 Farsoon systems and, you know, they're up to 18 so far. Um, you know, it's a, it's a company that announces the launch of machines that gets them out into the market. There's, mm-hmm. you know, our email inbox um, from the, the PR team at Farsoon is, <laughs> is full with application stories. Um and you, you can't say that for every 3D printing firm. And, you know, often that's maybe um, their users being a bit hesitant to talk about what they're actually using the machines for. But, um, you know, I'm sure when I'm saying this, loads of companies spring to mind that, you you know, you don't really know who uses their machine um, or, you know, or if anybody does, that kind of thing. And fast, we know the companies that use Farsoon um, and, yeah, 500 machines installed um i imagine that's going to keep growing as you say with the the adoption over in in china so yeah it was kind of good to see the the progress they're making and you know just this week basf announced that they've installed a file machine in in the facility they've opened in in china with um exuberance um they announced that last week there's already a file machine being installed this week <laughs> um you know that's that's far soon that's not really a surprise yeah, no, you, you're so right. I mean, it, it's not a surprise at all. And as you mentioned, you know, the inbox is always overflowing with uh, with application stories and machine sales stories from the the Farsoon team. And I'm sure one of the a big the big appeals of Farsoon's technology is this real open approach that that mm-hmm. they have. You know, you're not forced into using certain materials. Yes, they have materials partnerships with companies like uh, BASF, but you know, um, companies can really kind of take this technology and customize it to to, to what they need. 
need, which is probably why it is very suitable to somewhere like um, these um, these big service providers that we're hearing about and also to, com- to automotive companies where they probably need very specific materials and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just think they just seem to keep doing things um, right. And it's obviously showing now in the numbers that we're seeing from them. Yeah, definitely. So that's just about it for today's show. Thank you very much for listening in. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And for more additive insight, head on over to tstmagazine.com where you can get your free print subscription to TST Magazine and get the biggest 3D printing news stories delivered straight to your inbox every week with our additive insight newsletter. Thanks very much for listening. We'll hopefully see you again next time or at Rapid Plus TCT and TST360. Thanks. See you again. Bye. Are you ready for TCT360? The event for 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence is back. Wherever you are in your AM journey, our fully CPD certified program will have something for you. See Additive in Action as 250 plus exhibitors run live demos of their machinery and equipment. Hear from NHS England, Rolls-Royce, Boeing, J-Bull and more as they take to the stage to discuss the latest applications. It's time to reconnect with your community after almost two years apart. Signing up is free and takes just a couple of minutes. So register today and prepare to join us at the NEC Birmingham on the 28th to the 30th of September, 2021 to see Additive in Action. Thank you.